BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Shit. Okay. So anyways, I was just giving you guys a brief update on Tammy Daybell. There's um, an update that I found while I was researching. And just really quick, just to tell you guys, um, Fox 10 and Phoenix obtained probate documents filed in an Idaho court regarding the estate of Mrs. Tammy Daybell. And they have appointed her daughter, Emma, the sole um, executor of her estate. But what's interesting is they received information that her initial cause of death prior to her being exhumed was a cardiac event followed by pulmonary edema, which means fluid in the lungs. So they have never released Tammy's official cause of death after charging uh, Chad and Lori are both charged with Tammy's murder. So they have never released her official cause of death. But we know that the initial cause of death prior to this being a suspicious death was a cardiac event. With pulmonary edema, which is fluid in the lungs. So I guess my question, what I was saying to you guys when you guys couldn't hear my Roberta ass. Roberta was what do you guys think that Chad and Lori did to her in order to cause a cardiac event and fluid in the lungs? Because we have Alex Cox, who tried to kill her 10 days. He shot at her 10 days before she died. So what did Lori and Chad do to her to cause this is, is what I'm what I'm wondering. And I was intrigued by the fact that it was a cardiac event because right. Okay. So then Alex Cox dies like December the 19th or whatever of quote unquote natural causes. And that's what Tammy's death was ruled at. Uh, uh, you know, initially it was ruled as natural. But then Alex dies of natural causes, Roberta. And then a day later, they exhumed her body. So are we so quick to believe that Alex Cox died of natural causes? I don't know. I just wondered what you guys thought of that. I thought that was an interesting update. This is from Justin Lum. I will put this um, article in the description of this video, but it does have the actual documents from the probate court. 
albeit a lot of it is um, redacted. But you guys, I'm going to put this link in there and you guys can go back and look at her death certificates in here and everything. And all of the probate documents. There's 15 images. So I will put that up. I wanted to give you guys that quick update um, and see what you guys thought about her cause of death or her initial cause of death. You guys are thinking poison. Yes. So I think the thank you, Lizzie, for becoming a member. You're the best. Yeah, drug and drowned her. She was alive and sucked in water for it to be in the lungs. It's very, very interesting. Drowning, you guys are saying. I just think we, because we've never heard what they did to her. We've never heard her cause of death. But we do know that they exhumed her body a day after Alex Cox died of quote unquote natural causes. So interesting little tidbit there from Justin Lum and Justin Lum has done a, done a wonderful job keeping us updated on this case as has uh, Nate Eaton so um, yeah check that out I'll put that in the description and let's move into the tote that is killing me I have no idea why that would be echoing like it is Nobody knows. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know. know. He, does he does not know. Nothing like having Bertolini, Bertolino on Echo. Okay, so let's move into the tote. The tote murders. Oh, boy. Okay, so we have Anthony Tote right here on the screen. He stood trial for the murder of his family and his family dog, okay? He was convicted. He was sentenced all in the same day. So, um, he had so many different stories. This dude was crazy. This trial was crazy. It was the weirdest thing that I've ever seen in my life. But we know that Tony's dad hired one of his special education students, he was a teacher, to kill his mother back in when Tony was four, so back in the 80s. So let's read through this, and this is from Oxygen.com. So this is, um, they talked to Mr. Tote, Mr. Robert Tote. And got a statement from him on what he thought of his son's conviction. So Robert Tote was convicted of trying to have Anthony Tote's mother killed in 1980. And he says that his son's trial was so hard to watch. So Anthony Tote's father, who once arranged a hit on his wife, is reacting to his son's conviction for killing his family. Quote, it was difficult to take. She liked to twirl. Robert Tote, who watched the recent trial from his home in Massachusetts, told Hearst, Connecticut Media Group. Earlier this month, the jury found Anthony, 46, guilty of four counts of first-degree murder and one count of animal cruelty for the murders of his wife, Megan, 
and their children, Alec, Tyler, and Zoe, along with the dog, Breezy. A judge gave the former physical therapist life without the possibility of parole for the 2019 murders inside the family's home in Celebration, Florida. And that home was rented, and they also owned a condo in Celebration in the same hood. And it says here that Robert and Anthony, which are father and son, are not strangers to family violence. Robert, a former special education teacher and wrestling coach, was convicted of hiring an ex-student with learning disabilities. 19-year-old John Chermont, that's the first time I've heard his name. First time I heard his name. He hired him to shoot his wife in 1980, according to court records. Her name is Loretta Tote. Anthony Tote's mother survived the attack but lost her left eye, and Anthony was four at the time. Now, now that we have this name, John Chermont, let's take a look at this. And this is out of the Courier Times. TV, it's, uh, we have to stand down. We have to stand down. A 55-year-old man. Now, we're going to switch gears just for a minute because this is John Chermont right here. John Chermont. See that? Make sure you guys can see his lovely mug. Let me make this a little bit bigger here. Ah. There we go. There we go. So that is Mr. John Chairmont, the man that shot Anthony Tote's mother back in 1980. And he's 55 right now. So he was quite young, I guess, when this happened. So let's read through this because this is John Chairmont. Chairmont. Okay, so he was um, convicted of attempted murder in 81. And now he has been found guilty of setting his own home on fire in an attempt to defraud his insurance company. After a little more, and this is from February 3rd of 2015. So he was 55 in 2015. So the jury deliberated for two hours, a little more than two hours. Five men and seven women found John Chermont guilty of three charges against him, including arson with danger of death or injury, arson with intent to collect insurance, and insurance fraud. His sentencing has yet to be scheduled. This was back then. I didn't go any further to look at his sentencing, but he could face up to 37 years in prison. And according to County Prosecutor Mark Ferber, because Chairmont has an attempted murder conviction on his record, he will face at least 10 years in state prison. According to court documents, Claremont was charged with the crimes after the Ben Salem Police and Fire Departments arrived at his former home. He has since moved to Warminster with his mother on the 2900 block of Windsor Drive just after 8.30 a.m. on February 10th, 2014. Moments after emergency response crews arrived, as Ferber detailed in his closing argument Wednesday, Chairmont pulled up his truck shouting that his mother was in the house. This led emergency officials, Ferber told the jury, to keep the kitchen fire contained while they searched the house for the 76-year-old woman. But Ferber told the jury she was never there, and Chairmont knew it. Chairmont had called 911 at around 6 a.m., told, told police 
He wanted his mother removed from the home after the two argued over money. That morning, Ferber said, Terramount's nephew picked up his mother while an officer from the Ben Salem police was on the scene to ensure she was able to leave. Two and a half hours later, Ferber said, the kitchen of the house was ablaze. Defense attorney Nicholas Mancini contended that the fire was accidental because at the time emergency responders arrived at the home, Terramount was at a Bank of America branch at Street and Mechanicsville Roads. Ferber said that was Chairman's alibi. The prosecutor pointed out that while a neighbor made a call to 911 about the fire, Chairmont was at a bank branch and had claimed on sep- separate occasions he was there alterna- alternately to make a deposit or withdrawal. Ferber said the ATM activity from that day showed Chairmont made no transactions. Also, while in the parking lot of the bank, Chairmont confronted bank employees who were opening the branch for the day. He said that Chairmont cursed and threw paperwork with his name on it on the ground during a short rant. He was setting up an alibi. He made it pretty obvious he was there, Ferber told the jury. The jury was also shown a surveillance video taken from the bank in which a fire truck could be seen racing by the bank branch on its way to Chairmont's burning home. When the fire truck went by, Ferber pointed out, Chairmont hopped in his truck and was on the road following it within four seconds. Ferber said that Chairmont arrived and claimed his mother was inside because he wanted to stall responders in order to allow the fire to destroy any evidence that it was intentionally set. Fire investigators eventually determined that the fire started in common combustibles, which Ferber said was likely cardboard or newspaper, on the kitchen countertop and was consumed in the blaze. When Chairmont arrived at the home, Ferber said he told several emergency response personnel that he had left on a coffee pot. Ferber said the coffee pot was tested by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and explosives to see if mechanical or electric failures could be responsible. And they determined it wasn't the source of the blaze. Ferber pointed out that though Chairmont was never charged, the 2014 fire was the second intentionally sent blaze in the home since 2011. In 2011, Ferber said Chairmont was paid about 39000 by his insurance company for a fire that was eventually found to be intentional. Also contained to the kitchen. He was hungry for another infusion of cash, said Ferber. The prosecuting attorney showed the jury a history of withdrawals from ATMs at Parks Casino in Ben Salem and showed Chairmont took out over 2300 at the casino in the five days before the fire. In 2011, in the month before that fire, Ferber explained Chairmont withdrew more than 2800 from ATMs at the casino. He said that Chairmont learned that he could make quick money after the 2011 fire and wanted more money to support his gambling habit. The motive and the means are there, said Ferber. The only thing we don't have is a picture of the defendant igniting this fire. And then it goes on to say, um, Judge uh, Clyde W. Waite accepted the jury's verdict and increased Chairman's bail to $250,000 to $1 million. After the verdict was announced, Chairman's attorney Mancini said that his client plans to appeal the verdict, of course. Chairman was convicted of attempted murder in 81 after a failed murder-for-hire plot. Prosecutor Ferber said at that time, Chairmont was hired by a man named Robert Tote to murder his wife. Ferber told the judge that Chairmont pulled the trigger and shot the woman in the eye. She survived. Crazy. And this must be a picture of this dude from when he was convicted of shooting Anthony Tote's mom. What do you guys think of this? Craziness? Weird how, I mean, not weird, but just like all these connections, these criminals and 
Okay, so let's get back to the story. So that gives you the update on this John Chermont person. Okay, that's the guy that shot Loretta Tote. So let's go back to the oxygen news here. Um, okay, so this gives details of what 19-year-old at the time, he was 19 when he did this in 1980. I don't know if that adds up to being 55 in 2015. But at any rate, they're saying he was 19 when he shot um, Mrs. Tote. And it says that the then assistant district attorney, Alan Rubenstein, who is now a Bucks County judge, prosecuted the case. He told Oxygen.com in 2020, and this is when the, mur the Tote murders happened, was late 2019, and he was arrested in early 2020. But they said that Anthony was in the house along with his sister at the time of the shooting. Robert Tote had paid the teen $800 to kill his wife, according to court records. Robert told Hearst Media that he served around five years for the crime. And this is what Robert says Anthony saw. Quote, he saw the gun. He saw the guy. He saw everything, Robert said. Reflecting on what Anthony saw during the shooting. I kind of gave up on the position as dad, he said. Sounds a lot like what his son did, too. Or, you know, that's what Anthony did. He gave up on his position as dad. Adding that he and his son didn't talk for years after the incident. He said they talk regularly now, and he doesn't feel as though his son had a fair shake in court. If you look at how he was and listen to what went on, Robert says, there's a lot of things that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Pointing to the prosecution's usage of his son's confessions. It just didn't seem right. Before the six-day trial began, Tote's defense had asked presiding judge Keith Karsten to exclude confessions, three in all, he made about his family's death to law enforcement. Only one of the three was kept out because detectives have not in, did not inform Anthony of his Miranda rights. Karsten did not side with the defense regarding the other two interviews they wanted suppressed, claiming that their client was suicidal and had limited capacity because he overdosed on Benadryl. So here is a final quote from Robert Tote. And it says, you can't take someone after a tragic situation and expect to basically get the truth out of them. It's distorted and it's not meant to be, but it is, Robert said. Tony doesn't remember a whole lot. It doesn't seem as if he was competent during that time. Thoughts? Thoughts on this father's statements? And thoughts on what this father did and how Tony ended up an annihilator who gave up his position as dad, right? Jackie Kerr, what sounds like that? The echoes? You All right, so let's go on. I have a little bit more on Tote. So this is Anthony right here. This is Anthony on your screen. And then weirdly next to it, there's a picture. It says, it's an ad. Are women ever family annihilators? 
So let's go back up. Now let's go over here. Okay, here's another article from the ctinsider.com. And this was published on April the 25th, 2022. So Anthony Tote's father found guilty of hiring a man to kill his own wife says son's conviction is hard to take. So here's a picture of Megan Tote and their three children that Anthony killed. Robert Tote said that he watched from his Massachusetts home as his son was convicted of killing his wife, three children, and their family dog. It was difficult to take. I don't know if there's anything new in this article, but we'll find out. There's Anthony. I don't think there's a picture of his dad. Oh, yes, he's filed uh, an appeal already. So Tote's attorneys, who are public defenders in the Ninth Judicial Circuit in Orange and Osceola counties in Florida, declined to comment. The prosecutors for Tote's case did not respond to Hearst, Connecticut Media's re request for comment. Uh, Tote filed an appeal Friday with the 5th District Court of Appeal in Florida, and Robert Tote believes there were issues with the prosecution using his son's confession. And he says the same quote about, it just didn't seem right. What doesn't seem right is three children, a mother, and a family dog dead. That's what doesn't seem right to me. But who am I? When police took Anthony Tote into custody in January 2020, they said that he was barely able to stand. He was taken to the hospital and told paramedics he took Benadryl to kill himself. He was an involuntary committed, known as a Baker Act. So they did not use any of his mental health in the, in the trial. And his dad just thinks it doesn't make sense. And Robert Tote says he's been speaking to his son almost every day since his arrest. How nice that he backed out as dad when Tony was a kid and witnessed all this bad shit. But then once Tony's in, in jail and facing murder charges, I talk to him every day. What a great dad. Robert Tote gets father of the year. Right alongside Don. You know, you know Don's full of shit. shit. So Robert Tote says his son is holding up surprisingly well, and he's hoping that his son can be placed in a mental health facility. Robert Tote knew his son was trying to file an appeal, but knows from firsthand experience that it's, quote, pretty difficult to win. And then it says Robert Tote was arrested in 1980, in July of 1980, and charged with hiring one of his former students to shoot and kill his wife. The next year, he was found guilty of attempted homicide, criminal conspiracy, and criminal solicitation. And he filed an appeal which was denied. Robert Tote said his son, who was four at the time, witnessed the man shoot his mother. He saw the gun, he saw the guy, he saw everything. And then that kind of repeats. Um, there's a little bit more. So he says, oh, then he denies responsibility. He says, I kind of gave up on the position as dad, adding that his son's stepfather stepped in and was very much a leader. I had no part in raising him. Let's face it, Robert Tote added. Robert Tote also believes his son and thinks he's innocent. 
any father would, he said. The Tote family was found dead in January 2020. A family member called police asking for them to conduct a welfare check since the Totes had the flu and they had not been heard from for weeks. Police first went there on December the 29th of 19 and no one answered. They made several other attempts to reach them, according to the family's autopsy report. Authorities did not discover the family until they served Anthony with an arrest warrant for healthcare fraud. And then this just kind of goes over everything that Anthony spewed. But yeah, so let's see what else we have. We have another thing here. We have the obituary, which I know we didn't find much out about Megan. She was very private, but we have an obituary to read through. So just hang on one sec. Hang on one shake. Let me make sure I've gone through all of this stuff here. Okay. So Megan Tote, 42, of Celebration, Florida, formerly of Colchester, passed away unexpectedly with her darling angels, Alexander 13, Tyler 11, Zoe 4, and their loyal canine companion, Breezy. Born just, uh, January 28th, 1977, in New London, Megan was the beloved daughter of Albert Gula and Gail Hopko Gula. She was raised in Montville and attended Montville High School, where she was a drum major and played tennis. And I know in the pictures on the crime scene photos, we saw tennis rackets, tennis balls. So that must have been her, you know, out there being active. And she had this big galoop of a husband. And we know that he tried to lose weight um, after she moved into that home that was rented. And it was probably because she was leaving his ass. Or wanted to get away from his ass. Um, following her undergraduate studies, she earned her master's in physical therapy from Sacred Heart University. Megan was very interested in leading a health-conscious lifestyle for her and her family. And she promoted the importance of being environmentally responsible in her home and her community. Megan's joy from healthy living brought her closer together with her family. Not only did she intend tending to her enjoy tending to her garden, and cooking from scratch with her grandma Gladys and Aunt Cindy using organic homegrown ingredients, but they were always joined in the kitchen by Alec, Tyler, and Zoe. Megan always treated others with kindness and patience and could light up a room with her brilliant smile. Her love of music was pervasive. As a talented singer, flute, and piano player, she shared her passion with her children and was excited about expanding her folk guitar instruction with Tyler. Most of all, Megan's life was defined by the love she held so strongly for her children. Her entire being was encompassed in her motherhood, and she did whatever she could to support her family. Megan will always be remembered as having an exciting zest for life and learning and forgiving her children the same enthusiastic curiosity for the world around them. And that goes on to talk about Alexander, um, the oldest son was exceptionally bright and gifted in all his pursuits. With striking blue eyes, Alec had a quiet confidence about him. He excelled in his schoolwork, especially English and history. He was an avid reader and particularly interested in World War I and military history. He loved to learn from his great-grandpa Max and Grandpa Bud all about their military experiences. A gifted musician, 
Alec played the piano and was learning how to play the violin. He loved to play soccer as the goalkeeper and to ride bikes and skateboard with his brother, Tyler. Tyler was the comedic relief and loved to make everyone laugh and smile. He was quick to joke and play around, but his carefree nature always carried a concern for others. He often wanted to know how he could help someone who needed something. Like his brother, Tyler, was also intellectually gifted and excelled in mathematics. He was an accomplished piano player and was learning folk guitar. A hardworking competitor, Tyler loved to play soccer with his brother, and they went swimming any chance they had. Zoe Tote was full of life and known to everyone as Princess Zoe. Her beautiful blonde curly hair framed a face that was always laughing and smiling and singing. Zoe loved her time at school and being part of the Montessori Academy of the Celebration community. Zoe treasured any moment she got to dance and sing, and she was eager to start her ballet lessons. She also had a musical spirit and wasn't shy about playing her harmonica all around the house. With two older brothers, she naturally developed a strong personality. When Alec and Tyler went head to head, she was never shy to put her hands on her hips and tell them authoritatively, now my boys, stop. Her brothers, like everyone in the family, thought the world of Zoe and would do anything in the world to see her happy and smiling. Breezy, the family dog, became part of the family in June 2014. Everyone loved Breezy with a full heart and unconditional love. Breezy went everywhere with the family and served them well as their loyal and faithful companion. Megan and her children were beautiful, talented, and passionate about life. They were all devoted to each other and lifted their family to aspire to greater accomplishments so that they could compassionately help others. They will be forever loved and greatly missed, and their adored family and friends will never let them be forgotten. And then it goes on to say, uh, the family there that she is survived by and the services, but very sad. And just to give you guys just, you know, some information just about them, you know, we didn't hear a whole lot about Megan and, you know, the children in particular. And Anthony surely didn't give us any information about them other than blame Megan for everything. So um, also it says in, in lieu of flowers, memorial donations in support of Megan, Alexander, Tyler, and Zoe's legacy may be made to the scholarship fund created in their honor. If you are interested, it is the ATZ, which stands for Alexander, Tyler, and Zoe Scholarship Fund in care of Bank of America. And it says you may send your donation to the Bank of America branch most convenient for you. So I don't know if that still exists. Um, very good idea, I think, to make a scholarship in their name. I love when people do that. So um, what do you guys think of all of the, this added info? Let me come back to the chat and see what you guys are saying. I feel like I've been talking for an hour. Um, Northern Light, poor Megan. I really don't think she knew the full extent of their money problems. She doesn't sound like the type of person to let things go from bad to worse for her family. I agree. I think it was all hidden from her. She um, had Lyme's disease. And I'm not sure if it was actually um, what he said that she had, but uh, not sure. It is, Sarah Me. It's a shame. It really is. <laughs> you guys think it's crazy? Well, I thought it was crazy that I found out who the guy was that actually... Um, shot Tony's mom and we didn't hear before either that 
um, Tony saw it all. We just heard that he was awoken to his mother's screams. But according to this article and his dad, he saw everything. So, like, yeah, great dad there. That's why I called this live, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I think so, too, Kim Maple Syrup. Oh, it's okay, Jackie. It is very similar. Um, the way that he talked about health problems, and Potato and I did a live, uh, you guys. Let me give you the link to that live. We went over the differences between the Watts case and the... Um, toe case. So let me um get you guys that that link here, so you can watch it if you didn't see it. It's really interesting to see the parallels, but you know, like um, Shanann had lupus and other health concerns. It was just really interesting to see him kind of shift this all to Megan and make it her fault. <laughs> So let me see here. Potato did such a good job pulling up all of the um, different here's and there's that we went over. So here is the link. If you guys want to check that out. And I want to do a poll. This is kind of, this is kind of a touchy, touchy subject for some of you. But I want to do a poll because... It's going on, let's see, this is going to be my fourth year. I'm going on my fourth year this fall. And it's crazy because the first podcast I did, some of you may or may not know, was with, I had a partner, I had a co-host, and it ended after 16 episodes. The crazy thing is, I thought those episodes were gone. I didn't even think they were in a vault. But I found them. I found them yesterday. And I was like, oh, my God. So um, I was thinking about re-releasing my first podcast. So I would like to do a poll and see if you guys would like to see that or hear that, rather. It's all audio. So I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't even know if I'm going to. But would you guys... And it's the Watts case. So it's Murder Rap Sash, and it's based on the Watts case. And it was done in November of 2018. So it was done very, very early on. It's really interesting to go back and listen. So I'm just curious if you guys would actually be interested in hearing it. I'm interested, but, you know, that was me. And a lot of people, you know, the co-host, um, not crazy about her, but hey. That's how I got my, that's how I got my, um, my start here with a podcast. So I'm not ashamed of how I started out, but I think it's very, very interesting to go back. So just go ahead and vote if you are interested or not. I just want to get like your take on it. Yeah, Jackie, it's good. It's the weekend, babe. There is, there is no, um. No right or wrongs on the weekends. 
Yeah, Lyme's disease is nothing to play around with. That's for sure. I think so. Obje- objection hearsay. Objection. And then tomorrow, you guys on the four one one. Um, thank you to whoever sent super chat. I missed that. But thank you. That's a no brainer. Yeah, I know. Not crazy about the co-host. I get it. I get it. Some of you said no, though. Only 36 of you have voted. I want all your voted. Back when you knew how to plug the mic in? Yes, Cody. Could you say that again? I still don't understand why in the heck it's echoing like that. Objection! What's your excuse for weekdays? <laughs> it is. It's Sunday fun day. Amy Cummings, welcome to Roberta. That is true, Mr. You're all over it then? Cody, okay. So I have to preface it, though, that the audio sucks. It's great. It's It's freaking great. Because I think the first episode we recorded on Skype, of all things, Dude, it is, it's comical, but it's also, but it's also, um, kind of neat because when we, oh, thanks, Scott Skulls. He's the one that sent the super, super chat. Thank you. I, and I think. In the name of Jesus, Father God, Lord. Okay, let's do that poll. Okay, so the consensus is yes. There's only 45 of you that voted, but 87% said yes. So that's Jay's reaction when we rewatch is the best. Okay, so uh, let's see who was here. Were you around for Murder Rap Sesh podcast? At least when Cody, when my when my mic is turned on, I actually have better sound though. That counts, right? Sarah Mee says, I only knew of Chris Watts because of Netflix. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see who was around in 18 following the Watts case and who showed up later when it came out on Netflix. Northern Light says, I wasn't. Uh, we have to stand down. I didn't even know about YouTubians until Summer's case. I thought YouTube was an online version of MTV. Bonnie Bailey, thank you so much for the super sticker. That's so sweet. Thank you, Bonnie. Oh, Scott. Why don't I have Scott on here? He's not on my soundboard. It's like, what the heck happened here? Do like to twirl. Thought I put him on here. That's weird. My my thing is like messed up.
Yeah, it was like the second wave after Netflix. Netflix took the Watts case like um, mainstream, so to speak. You know, the truth is in the pudding, if you will. Can you guys hear the, the sound effects? Hello, Mama B. Dana said, I watched a few of your first videos, but I didn't like your co-host, so I left until you were alone. <laughs> I always thought, okay, so prior to November of 2018, I always thought YouTube was like a DIY only. I thought it was like somewhere where you went to, you know, learn how to do something. Sifta, thank you for the super chat. Of course, Cody, you got to give me a hard time. They sound creepy. I want them to be creepy. That's not, that's not what I was look going for. That's not the. Uh... That's kind of not the sound effect. That's not the, I don't know what, what I'm looking to say. That's not the effect I wanted to have on people. <laughs> But I'll figure it out. I'll figure out why. And um, I've got a couple other lives that I want to do. I want to catch up with you guys. But um, I'm going to leave this one here with the tote. And I have to kind of tweak the audio a little bit for this, um, this podcast. D's Nuts is the creepiest. I can't believe that only 30% of you were around. That is crazy town. It's, uh, we have to stand down. Janelle said, I had to refocus on who to listen to. I hate all the drama. Yeah, me too. Lori Staggs, thank you for the super sticker. I respect you, even though I'm echoing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. Did that fix it? <laughs> I'll have to do it offline. I won't put you guys through the torture. But um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for the super stickers and all of the super chat. KB, it's, uh, we have to stand down. You guys, oh, here's, here's, here we go. This is for you guys. Yes, Scott, I know, I know. Um, I've got to get back on Messenger. I will today, I promise. You came from Periscope, Tammy? Wow. So you probably remember Oni. The spirit, the sound effects sound like a spirit box section session. <gasps> Yeah, that is a little creepy then. The echo's gone? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it did for me too, Jackie. Ziggy said she watched me on Periscope. 
Yeah, I think she, yeah, she did say that. Oh, wow, the Fab Four. Make sure your computer mic is muted. Multiple mics can cause echo. Maybe I need to do this. Turn that off. Now let's see. I don't know if that had an echo or not. I couldn't hear it. So let me know. Um, yes, there is the laundry a change in the lawsuit as well. <clears throat> we'll be going over all these things. But I got to keep each live directed and focused. So I am going to get off here and I will play on the next one for you guys. Thanks for coming in. Sorry for the drop in pop up lives, but that's how I've got to get caught up right now. <laughs> you guys don't hear anything. Guess, Guess what? what? There's seven billion, billion fucking humans on this fucking rock hurling through space to make mistakes. Aw, Sifter, thank you. Sifter. She says, Aunt Janelle, yes, I refocused also. I only listen to a few select channels now. I actually unsubscribed from a lot of channels that I was following because... It seemed like it was regurgitating and bringing unnecessary things and drama into um, the cases. So at any rate, I appreciate you guys. I am all about quality over quantity. I'm not about quantity just because I am going to give you guys some information. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to regurgitate things. I don't want to confuse people. That is the last thing I want to do, especially when it comes to missing children. That is a huge no-no for me. I don't dig it. I don't dig all of the um, confusing, uh, quote-unquote, facts surrounding little children and playing around with little children's cases. I won't do that. Um, I learned a lot through this case, and I will not. Um, play games on YouTube or on any platform when it comes to missing little kids. That is just a huge no-no for me. And I just, I just want to make everybody aware of that because I've seen a lot. And I've seen so much confusion come across regarding these little kids. And I would much rather have 117 of you guys here than 1,117 of you guys here to hear confusing information. So I want to tell you guys that are, that are here right now, I appreciate you. And that is how I'm going to carry on when it comes to little children's, little children's cases. Um, Cause I just think it's wrong. Um, so Jackie Kerr, I appreciate you chatting in my chat. I, when I hear people say that, when they say, like, I don't chat in most chats, and they chat in mine, I want to tell you I appreciate that because it tells me that you feel comfortable, and that's what I want. I want people to feel comfortable. I want people to feel comfortable saying what they think and saying how they feel without being attacked and without anybody jumping on them or putting their damn personal information out there. It's not right. And I just want you guys to know that I do not stand by any of that behavior and never, ever will I. 
So with that being said, I love you guys and you are all my Roberters and Roberter. you are my number ones. So thank you so much, you guys. I will see you guys very, very soon today. I'm not gone for today. Today is I'm going to play catch up. So look for the pop up lives today. And Audra, I appreciate you as well. And yeah, Sifta, prayers for all the children. And Cody, you take care. Have a great Sunday. Roberta. All right, you guys, I'm out. Dance it out. Have a great Sunday afternoon. I don't give a damn. I don't really care about you and your problems. I don't give a damn. You talk way too much. I have heard enough about you and your problems. I don't Feel fizz on the rail, but I'm feeling differently.